0: Welcome to a special edition of Line. I'm Barbara Kosowski. here, of course, with Courtney Small. Hello. Hello, Courtney. We're here, we're going to do a special review podcast version of Line, And uh, we didn't get a chance to give you all the reviews that we wanted to, to tell you about some of the films that we we're excited about before the festival's over. We want to make sure there's enough time. We're, of course, we're going to do a regular show on Thursday. And then that, that'll give you time to really, you know, go into the final weekend with all the information that we can provide anyway. So I think we're going to start with a film called Firecrackers. It's a it's a Canadian film. It's in the Discovery program. Jasmine Mosafari is, uh, she's a first time director. I think it's her first feature. Her anyway. first feature. She yeah. did a
1: short um, based on the same... I think it was the same title, actually,
0: Okay, back so it's called, Yeah, it's called Firecrackers. It's it's an unforgettable kind of film because of the intensity, because of the way she handles it, uh, the story, and so I'm just going to let Courtney take over and tell you a bit about the story and get us started in our discussion.
1: Well, the, f- the film is set in, um, a sm- I believe, a small town, Ontario. Uh, I can't remember the exact place, but it, it follows... Two friends, Lou and Chantal, who are willing to basically they want to put that whole community aside. They've had enough of living in a small town, especially um, one that's been set up, you know, full of poverty. And they have big aspirations of starting a new life in New York City. But uh, something traumatic happens the night before they leave, and it sends them on a downward spiral. So you know, the more that they try to get out, the further the town kind of pulls them back in. Mm -hmm. And it's a really interesting examination on poverty um, desperation because the women are very desperate to get out the toxicity of of masculinity absolutely and their powerlessness yeah
0: their powerlessness is is so palpable in the film and that that's what uh, really struck me is the way that Mozafari is able to use the cinematic tools at hand the, the shooting style um, the acting, just the, the camera work mm-hmm. um, to, and the editing to create a frenzy, which is the frenzy of their desperate attempts to fight all of these forces that are against them. And they are it, they are against them, against them actualizing themselves and moving ahead. But yeah. there's, there's a dynamic at play at the, in the heart of their relationship that starts, that's what starts to tear them apart, is the way that they're reacting. To that thing that happened that night. Yeah, that you and have it, the best insight on. it.
1: Well, it's I, what really struck me about this film is how the the young women they have their agency taken stripped from them at various points. But um, Chantelle, in particular, who is biracial, and we get the sense that her parents and family aren't in the picture, and she's really the only minority that we see living in the town. Um, and her need and desire to get out of of town is so much greater, partly because of what happens to her, but also because of her particular standing. Whereas Lou, who's you know coming from a, a poor household as well, because she doesn't have to worry about issues of race, she doesn't understand Chantel's desperation. All right, like Chantel makes some really horrible choices, but so does Lou. But Lou at least figures that her choices are are much wiser but that's because she has the freedom to to make those choices where Chantel doesn't have much freedom if you really think about it
0: yes and, and what's key is that how Lou doesn't get it Mm-mm. doesn't get what Chantel is going through
1: yeah it, it's, it takes her along and even towards the end of the film I'm still not quite sure she fully grasps everything that Chantel goes through but they've had such a big change to that point that you know, their, their life has to go a different direction. You know, but even towards the end, where I would like to believe it's optimistic, how things end up, you realize that it could still be worse for them
0: mm-hmm.
1: as the film continues. Like, there's a whole other story to, to be told right after the film ends, so it may not be a happy one.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll leave you with it. <laughs> we'll yes. leave you with that. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a can- another Canadian film of a completely different kind Uh, I think that we both liked for different reasons called freaks yes now freaks I love the way freaks begins because at the beginning you're not quite sure what happens but it's the story of a man trying to help his daughter Understand things in life, and things are not as they seem. So, uh, at the, for example, at the beginning, the, uh, I wasn't quite sure what kind of genre I was in, and that, this is e- extraordinarily to the, the film's credit. It is the absolute strength of the film. You don't know where you are, just like the child. They're they're sort of locked in the house, and you don't know why. And he's trying to make her understand why. But us with our sensibilities. Our understanding that something's really wrong here Mm -hmm. except that my brain started going off into this bad scenario and that bad scenario and then next thing you know, nope! Everything gets turned around Uh, and when it does we're in a different kind of film.
1: Yeah it's a a film about isolation and you've got this young girl whose her father is keeping her locked up in the house and is preparing her for something bad to happen Because there's bad people, you know, on the other side of that door, but you don't quite know who or what is there, even if there is something there. And the first half is really uh, uh, interesting kind of psychological thriller. It reminded me a lot of the Bill Paxton film, Frailty, where, again, you have young kids Mm -hmm. with a father who they're not quite sure if he's going crazy or what have you. And then the second half takes a completely different turn, and it, it... I know. I would I would say it's very comic book inspired turn <laughs> uh, without yeah. spoiling things, and it. And I don't know. I think the the merging of the two will be make or break for a lot of people.
0: I think that's absolutely key because I don't think I was as enthusiastic as you were. Although, with when I was with the film, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the narrative and what was happening, I was fully with the narrative because eventually. Uh, it's from the girl's point of view, from the, the daughter's point yep. of view and that things are happening and things are being gratified according, like certain sensibilities that I, certain things that I want to happen that she wants to happen are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's got this sort of control of the narrative that way. Which I found extraordinarily satisfying but yeah, in a cartoon world kind of way. Um, but stepping back from that there's a bit of like I started off in this this quirky indie film, and I ended up kind of in Sp- Steven Spielberg land, and I'm not sure how I feel about that still
1: done on a on a <laughs> modest budget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's one that I know just in talking to to other critics has divided a lot of people, um, and I I think some people don't expect the. Spielberg aspects to it and think it ruins the film, and others think that that part was strong, but the more psychological thriller aspects were. Oh, really? Yeah, like everyone has a different take on this film. Oh, so this is a
0: must see for sure. So, yeah, it's
1: one that. (laughs) It's a
0: must see so you can decide for yourself. People are going to. This is one of those you have to see to believe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can I, speaking of seeing and believing let me just uh, step off into my my little shortcut world of shortcuts just for for a couple of films because um there were a couple that i I didn't get to talk about last week uh, when we were focused more on uh, shortcuts and uh, they're both animation i i'm i have very big soft spot for animation especially when it proves to be uh, kind of larger than life in its in its own way when it proves to be so visually enticing and engrossing and, and just uh, so meaningful that it it's an, an absolute must-see on a big screen. You know, people think, oh, it's, it's a cartoon, it's an animated film, whatever, they're on YouTube. It's like, no, these these have to be seen on a big screen to really fully get their impact. And um, the, the first one is uh, The Subject by Patrick Bouchard. This is another NFB film. We talked about two of them uh, last week. So this is the, the last NFB film that's in this festival, and it's in shortcuts. It's an animator working on a body and using stop motion and computer generated, uh, sorry, pixelated animation. So it's stop-motion and pixelated animation. You slowly see that he's working on his own body. And the the images are so... They're so fascinating. They Of course, they're like nothing you have seen, but they are. And so the presentation is kind of grotesque, but breathtaking. Oh, okay. And a really hard one to to discuss in words and therefore that's in my definition already a you've got to see this kind of film it left me kind of shaking it was a bit of a shock to my system
1: in a disturbing way or just disturbing and exciting
0: and and just you know when you're in the presence of great art Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then it ends it ends and you're just like oh what the what do i do now so it's, it's shockingly brilliant and indefinite definite visceral charge. The subject, Patrick Bouchard. Now, there's another a completely different kind of um, sort of stop-motion animation uh, piece by Amanda Strong, and the piece is uh, "B de Bon," well, translated as "The Dawn Comes," and uh, it's it's about a de bon, sets out on a mission to. to to reclaim ceremonial harvesting of sap from maple trees and uh, she's accompanied by a 10,000 year old shapeshifter who's helping her but it's a hard task because she's trying to reclaim it and of course she's up against obstacles and so the evocative nature of this it's, it's evocative in a completely different way than the subject it's evocative in a it, it's beautiful in a way it creates this otherworldly kind of sense and it's almost mythic but it's beyond realistic as well it's like a hyper real because okay. it's, it's kind of mythic but you know you know what it's representing mm. now and it's, is it
1: based on like folklore folk or
0: was uh written by anishinaabe writer leanne Batamasake simpson Okay. so it's the story I don't know where the story comes from but and and that person is also that's providing the voiceover to sort of guide you through the experience of it but the images give you more fill in much more about the experience so together they work together it's it's a brilliant piece it really is I really I hope everybody sees it and again it's it's going to be perfect to see on the big screen oh
1: that sounds really good
0: mm-hmm so, should we stay with Canadians, or do you want uh, to... Because I have one more Canadian.
1: A uh, short? But or, it's not a short. Or, okay. Well, a what,
0: completely different well, genre. Well, I have two
1: shorts, and then we can jump into the features. How about that? That sounds good. Okay, so the first short um, is directed by Annette Sidor, and it's a Swedish film called F.U.
0: Well, no, I was going to talk to you with that, t- about that oh, too. Okay, okay. Well, that's us wanna, an us thing. Do you, you want to save that one? Cause no, I, not at all. Okay. I think that's a perfect... Uh, perfect film to go into sure
1: and so it's about a teenage girl who um, is frustrated with the the boys in her life kind of seeing her as nothing but a a pretty face and
0: because you know they're at that age and no matter how old you are i'm going to say it excuse me courtney Mm -hmm. don't listen boys are stupid
1: i will agree with that that's what's
0: going on around her boys are being stupid
1: they they are and you know, the simple things from not letting her play, you know, whatever silly games that they're playing, but just the way how they treat her. Like she gets kind of put on a pedestal by her boyfriend, that she's a porcelain thing that can't be touched, and she gets really frustrated with that and decides to take back her own agency through the use of a sex toy and uh,
0: that she steals that she steals (laughs) and defiantly
1: wears around her boyfriend and his friends and it's a really well constructed um, commentary on again masculinity especially toxic masculinity at a very young age and also empowering in the sense of you know her taking back her agency and you know she no matter what refuses to give up her power you know, so at the end, it, it shows you that there can be Power Three quality.
0: Right. Actually, I, that was perfect, Courtney. I wouldn't add a single word to that. So yeah, it's, um, it's worth seeing. That it's, was that was a. It is a. It's
1: very. It's it's one that again we can't say the the full name due to um, licensing.
0: Yeah, can't say the full name of the short. Yes, definitely.
1: But 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 look look it up. Look up FU in uh, the the Tiff Guide
0: in shortcuts.
1: And I will say there's another film, similar theme about toxic masculinity. I watched a lot of films directed by women about toxic masculinity this year, (laughs) which is great.
0: This year, isn't it?
1: Which is is great, and it's called My Boy, and it's a Canadian film by Sarah uh, Pellerin, and it focuses on this young boy whose brother or not young boy because he's a young man whose brother is getting married so he's been invited out to his brother's bachelor party he doesn't want to be there his brother and all his drunken friends are acting really silly really dumb and you're watching as the the younger brother is observing all the the stuff that they're doing all the embarrassing things and then at one point the bride and her bridal party Come home and catch his brother in an awkward position, and it sets off just a chain of harsh comments and difficult, com- um, difficult confrontations. And it's, I would say, it's a dark comedy, but some of the things that are said are so offensive and unnerving, and just the the ripple effect uh, to the point where, like, even some the bride and some of the women in the bridal party start devolving into that. Um, toxicity as well, so it just shows you how impactful and how almost like a virus um, toxic masculinity can be.
0: Yes, tell me about it.
1: It's it's, it's worth seeing. It's no. worth seeing. So
0: sorry, I'm teasing. <laughs> Shouldn't should not be teasing. That sounds like a brilliant film.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a it's tough another... one to. You know, I, I use the term dark comedy, but a lot of it feels more dramatic at times. Like it's just. Mm. But there's some, especially when things get really tense. There's some really funny moments that you you're laughing and you feel like I shouldn't be laughing at this, mm-hmm. but it does get you thinking about why you're laughing at it and you know kind of puts you in the amongst the guilty party as well.
0: Interesting, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's an interesting film. Okay, so that's, that's my boy, and that's also in Shortcuts. Yeah.
1: Do you want to jump to the features?
0: Okay, so while we're talking about toxic masculinity, I'm going to switch over. To a film about a strong woman doing something uh, quite brave even if it it, even if it's not the right thing to do still she's being a very brave and she's being a warrior type figure and it's a film called woman at war it's from Iceland it's a French and Ukrainian co-production as well it's it's a film that played at, at Cannes and got a lot of good attention so it's it's kind of quirky and it's kind of got a feel-good vibe but there's also there's so much going on in this film and just i want to talk about it just because it's just one of those it's just a hell of a good movie it's a fabulous you know it's got this this interesting character played by Hala and she's a an undercover eco-terrorist and she's trying to save Iceland's natural landscapes from industrialism so she's going out there and blowing out power lines and trying not to get caught and so she's she's really wreaking a lot of havoc Um, so the film as it as it portrays her in the vast landscape of Iceland it's kind of like got this documentary kind of feel uh, this individual you know fighting these unnatural things in the natural landscape You've got that aspect then you've got her real life her 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 life her daily life in which she is trying to adopt a child and Then you've also got um, What's happening is that while you're in the landscape something starts to appear on the screen which then follows her so you've got the realism of daily life the documentary kind of vibe of of what she's doing in the landscape and then this absurdist twist which then starts to tie everything together because the absurdist sort of imagery that you see in the, in the edge of, of the frame at the beginning then infiltrates the entire film in this most hilarious way actually I can say it because it's in the notes yeah what happens is there's a band you see her in this at the beginning in this landscape doing this incredible stuff and then there's the band the music that you hear the band is, oh, is over in there? the corner of the shot mm-hmm. and then oh, okay. they reappear in different ways and then this because of uh, uh, another thing that happens in the film, this trio of singing women shows up, and yeah. and so this so you've got this these absurdist things and Occurring. these, these realist things going mm-hmm. on, and it's just this formally brilliant thing. It's very exciting to watch, watch something develop in in such an unusual, great way. Yep. Um, but also, Hala is a hell of a character, and you really. It's a a fantastic performance by this actor, so you really, really root for her Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just an amazing film, just a great film, great story, well told. Oh wow. Woman at war.
1: I have um, two that have strong women that I can talk about and then there's a third one that I know that you're not
0: obligated seen. to talk about strong women you know no no but we're
1: on a, on a good theme and these right, are let's, films let's, I wouldn't mind mentioning and okay, I know go, the, the third go. one isn't really about strong women but it's directed by a woman and I, I believe you've you seen it but
0: I have one that's got nothing to do with women
1: oh I've got one as well actually no sorry I've got like four with strong women okay well but we'll go through them really quickly Really quick. So but also,
0: don't forget, we've got another show coming up.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about is, and it be very brief, it's a film called Lionheart. It's a film from Nigeria. It's part of the, the Nollywood industry there, and it's a comedy about a woman who's, I guess, the second in line at her father's company, and then her father becomes ill and needs someone to take over in the interim, and instead of bumping her up to to that chair he actually gets his brother to to come in and you know, his brother knows business but is not as as well versed and structured as she is he's more of the kind of loose um, ways in terms of just he's got a completely different mindset on how business should be be run and not as directed not as well researched as she is so the the film is really about family learning to work together even when they have differences but the main character what i really liked about this film is she's a smart woman who's you know got a good sense for business but at no point does the family or the film ever resort to the tactic of oh well she needs to find that perfect husband she doesn't need to find like towards the end you get the sense that our romance might blossom but again it's on her own terms uh, which uh which is very rare yeah, especially in, yeah. in comedies because it's a lot of them have to be like oh well she, everything will work out well she'll get she might get the job and stuff but if she has someone there to, to support yeah, her in the end
0: and, she's still got it whereas
1: this film it. was all just her and one of the things that uh, they announced during the Q and A is that netflix picked it up so oh, it's going to be the first nollywood netflix original to, to be to be released so that one's Lionheart and the other one uh, which I saw this morning is called widows the new Steve McQueen
0: oh femme. yes oh yes Dallas. all about star
1: that. cast with Viola Davis and Lee Neeson and just a bunch of great actors and it's about a, a group of widows whose husbands were were thieves and uh, one of their heists went wrong um, and now some people have come looking for the money that they're owed. <laughs> and these widows are the ones who are supposed to foot the bill. So Viola Davis gets the remaining widows together and they decide they're, they're going to pull off a heist to try and make, make do. And that's the real premise of the film. But for a heist film, this movie actually has a lot to say about America right now and especially american politics mm-hmm. and the the corruption in terms of the politicians that are representing these communities and how a lot of these politicians are not only practicing in unethical things but the politics of survival they care more about their careers and staying in their position of power than they do the community that's actually hurting
0: mm-hmm. so, yeah
1: so for a heist film, this film covers a lot of really broad and interesting territory while still remaining a thrilling piece of cinema. Like, it just from the technical shots and everything, it, it works wonders.
0: Fabulous. All right. Um, well, I want to talk about uh, a Canadian film. Sure. Just for, um, it's a documentary. I, I, we can't forget our documentaries. Mm-hmm. We can't forget anybody's documentaries. It's got a really strong contingent of documentaries this year, and a lot of them are big names, you know. We don't have to tell you to go see Michael Moore, we don't have to tell you to go see Errol Morris, but we may have to tell you, or I may have to tell you, to go see Ron Mann's latest film, Carmine Street Guitars. And why, why would I do that? Well, because Ron Mann, veteran filmmaker that he is, he's fabulous at taking uh, taking us back in time into a piece of cultural history into an era into a an aspect of it and he's he's fabulous he gets in there and he just gets comfortable and gives us this this really full and rich portrait and in this film it's it's probably the most those quietest of his films which i don't mean in a bad way this this i mean quiet in the best possible way we actually literally step into this in through the door of a store in the village in New York City called Carmine Street Guitars. And this is where handmade guitars are made. And in fact, a lot of the guitars are made from wood that has been salvaged from old buildings. So you get, you know, this guitar was made from the remnants of the Soho Hotel or, you know, whatever. Places like, and so it means something um, as an art, each of them means something as an artifact of New York City the place itself is an artifact of New York City we see people come in through the door famous guitar players they come in and the whole conversation is I felt it before anyone even said I feel like I've just stepped back into the real village of New York City and it's so it, you know it, when there's a lot of like big films and big, big moments and big crazy things going on i think a film like this mm-hmm. is so nice as just a kind of a antidote just a quiet place to go and it literally is a quiet place to go and just enjoy the craft of something and enjoy and just enjoy a certain time in a certain place and luxuriate in it, yeah. and that's—I think—that's what Juan is doing. I think that's what we're doing. I know that's what I was doing. And I am a fan of guitars and guitar players. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's a bonus if you're, you know, if you have a thing for guitars. But if not, I still think, you know, as as a place, you know, especially if you love New York, it's a special. It's a special yeah. film, *Carmine Street Guitars*.
1: One film I want to talk about, since we're talking about smaller titles that you should keep a lookout for, is a film called Blind Spot*. Um, ah, no- yes. Norwegian film done in a series of long takes, but it feels like one long tracking shot for pretty much the entire film. Like The editing in this film is great, and it, the the film is about a woman whose stepdaughter comes home one day and then has an accident. And from the minute the accident happens, well even before the accident happens, we're following this family, but just the way how the camera follows this woman as she's like going to the hospital, encountering the medical staff and learning about what may be wrong with her daughter that caused the accident. It's just a really emotional film that I find like draws out the tension and emotion in a subtle way and the camera techniques Add to the film, but they don't overtake it, which is just a wonderful. And it's it's just a very quiet, gut wrenching type of movie. But I I think it's worth seeing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Films like that that you don't, you you, they're not going to be, you know, in the big cinemas. They're not going to be released everywhere. So it's films like Blind Spot that you know it's important Mm -hmm. to go to TIFF to see.
1: Yeah. Did you happen to see Rafiki?
0: No, I've been wondering about that one. Tell me. So Tell me Rafiki, uh,
1: it's, it's good. It's been, it's been getting mixed reviews, but I thought it was really well done. And it's about these two girls, um, daughters of political rivals, who fall in love. And they fall in love, and I believe it's in Kenya, where um, homosexuality is not, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's in being preached against in the churches. And so you're following these two women as they, they fall in love and then have to navigate a very hostile space. And it's a very colorful film. Um, I believe the director is, has coined the term Afro-bubblegum um, just because of the, the bright colors that the, the film employs. But it's both romantic and heartbreaking. Uh, and it's one of those that I think it, I think it handles the subject really well. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just, for me, it didn't take any easy outs right it goes dark but still remains hopeful Um, so i I think it's one we're seeing
0: definitely okay i want to see that one all right well i think that's a great note to leave it on uh i think we've given you guys enough you know to to think about and then look for and the films to chase after and try and get tickets for and of course don't forget to tune in on thursday at radio Regent where we will do our final show. And, hey, we'll get you ready for the weekend. Yeah, a lot more titles to see. Yeah, there's a lot more to see at TIFF. So thanks so much for listening. And uh, so for Courtney. Have a great day. All right, thanks.